Good morning, Westridge. It's good to be here with you today via video as we continue on our Moving Forward series. Um, to begin with, lately, we've been dealing with plenty of snow, haven't we? Um, and I have a real love-hate relationship with my snowblower. Most of the time when it comes to moving snow, um, I use a shovel. Simply because my, uh, my snowblower using it just causes a lot of frustration and angst in me. But two weeks ago, we had a six inch snow. So I thought, well, it's time to, to get the thing out and get it rolling. Uh, so I plugged it into the electric starter. I, um, I primed it up real good and it wouldn't fire. So I, I put some starter fluid onto it, uh, you know, sprayed it with fire for a little extra combustion power. Still nothing. It just wouldn't turn over. So I pulled out my shovel and began to shovel rather vigorously down the sidewalk, uh, mumbling to myself, you, you probably know what I'm talking about here. After a couple of minutes, I tried it again and finally, finally it turned over. Now it still wasn't running smoothly, okay? But, but I started making my way slowly down the driveway and it was throwing snow off. And I uh, thought, okay, this is pretty, getting pretty good. I got right to the end of the driveway, right to the street, and it stopped. Oh. Now, Greg said uh, last week, he said, have you ever had one of those moments where uh, you just didn't act like you're supposed to? And I thought, yeah, my snowblower. Exactly, exactly. I lost it. I lost it. Well, Darla was outside with me, and, and we were talking. So I, I just kept doing my driveway. Finally got it fired back up again, and we kept doing the driveway back and forth. And she pointed over to our neighbor, and uh, his snowblower was running just fine. She said, look at how good his snowblower is running. I said, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> you, you know what I'm talking about here, right? And I finally did get it to do what it's supposed to do, but it was not an easy process. Even at its best, it wasn't running like it should. Then on Monday, we had a, we had a 10 inch snow. I thought I dreaded getting that thing out again. But this time it ran like a champ, okay? I threw snow all over the place. And I thought, how frustrating this, this machine is. But I thought about this. And I realized how I have experienced looking at my snowblower, kind of what my spiritual walk could be at times. I, mean, I, I only got the snowblower out when I realized what my own strength couldn't do on my own. I just wasn't going to make happen with a shovel. So I got the snowblower out then. I, I get frustrated when it doesn't work like it should, but I've not taken it in for a tune-up either. And then I, I realize how often I can compare my faith to how I see others operating, how it seems like their faith is running so smoothly, and mine just fits and starts. I know we all want to walk with Jesus that works. And this series, Moving Forward, has all been about, has all been all about getting a spiritual tune-up for us. And when it comes to moving our spiritual lives forwards, I, I recognize there are times when it just doesn't feel like we're running right. There are times when we're having a difficult time even getting started. And maybe even times when uh, we're just filled with frustration and anger. Times that if we chose to dwell in those times, yeah, it'd be real easy just to lose heart and begin to drift in our relationship with Jesus. None of us want that to be the case. So today, we're going to look, for, look at moving forward with passion. And I believe when we choose to follow Jesus with passion, it, it generates some spiritual momentum that propels us forward, even when times don't work like we think they should. Here's the verses we're going to look at today from Galatians 6, verses 9 and 10. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially 
to those who belong to the family of believers. So I, I have a, a key item in our household today. I brought a thermostat with me today. These are incredibly important instruments, aren't they? Especially what we've been dealing with the last couple of weeks. Thermostats are designed to change the temperature. Now realize it has a thermos, it has a thermometer on it. It tells the temperature, but you turn this little dial, all of a sudden the temperature could change up or down depending on what season we're in. And here's what I recognize, guys. Anyone can be a thermometer. Anyone can tell the temperature. I believe what Jesus is looking for is people who can be thermostats. People who can change the temperature, not only in their own lives, but their change of temperature, their passion in following Jesus will affect others around them. So today, moving forward with passion. So what is passion? I think it's more than a, a feeling. It's, it's more than... Uh, 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 ways we do things. I, I really believe passion is a mindset and it requires a mindset. When I'm passionate about something, it, it draws my attention. It, it's something that's on my mind. I spend time and money on that, on that item. I, I plan for, for being around that item. And when I think of passion, I think of the way I, I, I am toward my wife. I love her and I will do whatever I can for her. Okay. My children, my boys, my daughter-in-laws, I, I love them. My grandchildren, totally different love, okay? I, I, I'm all in for them. And they check all these boxes. I spend time. I spend money. I, I spend my thought life thinking about them and how I can help them. There are other things I'm passionate about. I love starting churches. Okay, I really do. I want to reach people with the good news of Jesus. And that's why we start churches across Chicagoland. I, I, I'm passionate about speaking. And talking about Jesus, I love doing this. And it fills me up. I, I'm passionate about hunting. There's so many different things that, that have passion. But how do we develop and how do we keep passion flowing for the things that matter? How, how do we turn up the heat as we follow Jesus? Well, I think these verses that we looked at today give us several different ideas on what to do, what not to do, and what to do. Let's go back to the verses. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at a proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Several things revealed in here that help us fight the normal. And I think that's the first thing we recognize in the verse. We have to be willing to fight what is normally the case in people's lives. Two things that can cause passion to leak out of us if we allow it to. The first thing is weariness. Do not become weary in losing heart. It's interesting. The word here uh, means to lose heart. When things don't happen as we plan or when things go sideways on us, it's, it's very easy to lose heart, to get, to get soul weary. I was in a webinar when the person who leads a, a ministry for soul care for church leaders said this. And he's heard this phrase from more than one church leader in these past few months. He said, people are saying, I've got the kind of tired that a good night's sleep simply won't cure. They're weary, weary. And that leads, if you, carry, if you carry weariness all the way out to its uh, logical end, it can lead to quitting. That's where he talks about in this verse, if we do not give up. The old adage is, when times get tough, the tough get going. We also recognize the reality that sometimes, when times get tough, some choose to leave, walk away. 
Uh, if you read many of Paul's letters to churches that he helped start in the New Testament, he will reference people who chose to leave him in a difficult time. And I hear, I hear the sadness and frustration in his voice as he thinks back to these people he loved, he cared for. And I've heard the same thing in the voice of church leaders today as, as people walk away. It hurts. See, these two responses to life, getting weary and quitting, are very normal responses. See, what we've grown accustomed to in the world we live in is decay. I mean, things don't maintain themselves, do they? Yeah, you leave a house to itself, and it won't be long before it falls into disrepair. That's just reality. I mean, I love coffee. A good hot cup of coffee in the morning, man, nothing beats that. What I realize, though, it doesn't take long for that hot cup of coffee to become lukewarm. And I'll be honest, when I drink that lukewarm coffee, it makes me want to spit it out. I just don't like it. We all recognize the decay that's prevalent in our world and the tendency toward that. So it, I, I put it very simply like this. So I have this ball. Check it out. Okay. What'd you just witness? Well, let's do it again. Okay. Gravity. Gravity is very real. It's when it comes to following Jesus with passion, with living out our, our faith dynamically, we need to recognize this reality. Gravity is real. And gravity is going to seek to try and pull us back into the normal thing, the normal way people approach life. So we have to fight what's normal. We have to push back against it. Now, you've heard people say it. You say, how you doing? Eh. Okay. That is not passion. We want to live a passionate lifestyle. We are not designed to be embracers of the normal. Guys, we are designed to be thermostats, to, break, to, to turn up the heat and to follow into Jesus. So what do we do? Well, we need to chase what's abnormal. Okay? If, if there is a normal, we are designed as followers of Jesus to be abnormal. And I don't mean weird. We're just designed to be different than the world around us. A couple weeks ago when Darren was speaking, he used this word to, uh, to describe living differently. The word was disrupt. Oh, I love that when he, when he used that. I thought, oh, that's perfect. That is perfect. The idea being sometimes it takes disruption to get us out of the norm and into the abnormal. See, when we choose to use a thermostat in our house, it disrupts things, doesn't it? We not take it up a notch, all of a sudden things happen. The furnace fires and all of a sudden gas starts flowing and heat comes out. But it takes a disruption to make that happen. We're we are supposed to chase the abnormal life that Jesus prescribes for his followers. And when we choose to follow Jesus, we should approach life differently. And passion is what marks us very clearly as we follow. See, now passion. Now without direction, it can be a dangerous thing. And we've seen this reality in our world recently as passion has erupted in destruction and violence. See, passion has, has force and power. It's active. It has purpose. It calls others together to make a difference. But it does need direction. And in these verses here, 
I love it because the writer gives us the direction in which to pour the passion that Jesus calls us to live. He calls us, the, the writer says, do good toward others. This is Paul writing. I read an article on mental health written by Dr. Carl Menninger. He was asked at a forum, by, at a forum what a person should do if they are depressed. And the noted counselor answered this way. He said, I'll tell you what. If I had a sense of futility overwhelming me, I'd go out of my house, I'd lock the door behind me, go across the tracks, and I'd find someone in need and then do whatever I could to assist that person. You see, yeah, he understood. His prescription for sound mental health? Serve others. Do good to others. So what might happen if we began to passionately look for people that we could do good to. Looking for these opportunities, how might it affect not only our lives, but the lives of those around us? So I was working on this message, and I, and I remembered seeing a lady's driveway on my morning walk that had not been cleared of snow. Her trash can was out there sitting in the snow. I thought, oh, yeah, that's, that's not normal. A, a couple of weeks before that, I'd seen her out working on her drive, and I'd asked her if I could help her. Uh, and she said, no, no, I don't need any help. And I thought, well, listen, I, I used to talk to Terry. That was her husband. I used to talk to Terry on my morning walks. And we'd just chat. And and uh, I'm sorry, I heard, I heard he passed away. And she said, yeah, about a year and a half ago. And I said, so I just, I'd like to help you. And she said, okay. And she handed over the shovel. I cleared the end of her driveway. Well, working on this message here, I was reminded of her snow-covered drive. And I left what I was doing here. And I went over and I cleared her drive off. Now, I'm not doing that to, uh, to, uh, to make, make me look good or anything like that. Here's the deal. She never knew I was there. Oh, that, was, that makes it so much more fun, doesn't it? I, I love so we, doing good just because Jesus would want us to do good. I felt, okay, that felt good. And I was able to help somebody. See, we're told in verse 10, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all men. It's interesting to me because that word opportunity is really the word for time. As we have time, let's do good to others. It means we have to have a mindset that's not always running on my timetable, my time frame. See, when I run on my time frame, I know what I want to do, and I guard against anything else sneaking into those margins. I don't make much margin. I just try to do it, fill everything up with what I want to do. What Paul's telling us here is we need to operate on a timetable that factors in what others need and how we can step into those things and make a difference. I was, I was on, on a cruise with Darla, my brother and sister-in-law, a couple of years ago, a few years ago, and I was reminded of how selfish I can be. My brother-in-law is a follower of Jesus. He said, I, I think we need to say something to our cabin steward about Jesus. And my response, yeah, I don't want to push Jesus on, on anyone. Or force him to listen just because he feels he needs to listen to us because he's our steward. But Tony was insistent, so I reluctantly agreed to join him in talking to, to Carlo. Imagine my surprise when we began talking to Carlo. He got a big smile on his face. He said, I was wondering if you guys were Christians. You've been so nice and polite to me. You've, you've treated me like a, like a, a, a friend, a, a person, instead of uh, just being a servant to you. He said, I'm a follower of Jesus too. And it's nice to meet new family members. So we had a great time connecting with him on a totally different level from that point on. And I was glad my brother-in-law saw something I didn't and was willing to step up when 
I simply wasn't. By the way, these two verses were my brother-in-law's life verses. And he touched many people with the love of Jesus. Now there's a phrase in verse 10 I think helps point our, 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 uh, our direction, our passion even more specifically. Okay, Let us do good to all men, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. See, we normally reserve our best for our families, don't we? I mean, I sacrifice for my wife and my, my children. When I'm, when I'm with them, my attention, when I'm with my grandchildren, my attention gets drawn completely to them. I'll walk in and say, hey, Grandpa, will you play with us? And my answer, absolutely, I will play with you. The answer is always yes. Now, remember, passion shows itself by its focus, by the time we spent, by our resources we put into uh, to our passion. And, and what Paul's saying here is that we need to view our church family like we view our blood family. Because we are related together in Jesus. And when I hear the word especially, it's a great reminder that I need to keep my eyes open for opportunities to do good right here. Right here. Amongst ourselves, who are the family of God. And maybe it's making a phone call to give encouragement or showing up in person to give a hand, making time for someone who needs a listening ear, whatever it is, we're supposed to do good, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So what happens when we follow Jesus with passion? Well, I have a video I'd like to share with you here. It's entitled Leadership Lessons from a Dancing Man. And I want to look at it, and I just want to ask some questions as you, as you think about it, and to you, for you to think about it as it runs. So let's look at it. So my first question, as you watch this guy dancing, what would people think if I chose to live with passion? They think I'm strange, like I'm weird? Or would it catch their attention? Question number two, what difference can one person make? He danced passionately. He danced continually. And then things began to happen. What happens if we continue to live with passion, even though it doesn't seem like it's making much of a difference at all? What should we do? And why would someone choose to follow the example of someone else? I mean, could it be there's something magnetic about a person who lives with passion? A person who's willing to put themselves out there? A person who's simply doing what they feel called to do? Is passion attractive? Is it compelling? Can it draw others in? I think you can see what could happen. And my last question, how does a movement start? You see, a movement begins when one person is willing to step out and do good. Doesn't matter if others are watching. We don't do it for acclamation or praise. We don't do it to build ourselves up or even to earn brownie points with God. It just doesn't work that way. Uh, 
But when we do things that are good, it can create a tipping point where others feel compelled to do things that are good too and make a difference. See, we do good because we're following the example of Jesus who gave up everything he had so that we could be welcomed back into relationship with Father. See, good deeds flow from a heart that's grateful to Jesus. Good deeds done to all men, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And even though we don't do good to draw attention, it's hard to hide the light, isn't it? Because good deeds shine. So what are we going to do with this? I have a couple ideas that I'd like to, uh, to uh, help you use to maybe turn the heat up a little bit as we follow Jesus in the week ahead. First of all, living with passion does require fuel. So let's not become weary in doing good. Fuel comes from spending time with Jesus. My first encouragement, hey, read the book, right? Read the book. In particular, read Titus. Read or listen to Titus this week. Titus is a great book on doing good. and It gives you ideas on not only how to do good, but even what to do. Secondly, keep your eyes open for opportunities in the week ahead to do good. If you ask God to keep your eyes open, he'll show you opportunities. So here's the prayer I'd like you to pray. Father, help me see opportunities to do good to others today. Just help me see them. And that's the third thing. Make time to do good. I know we all have schedules to keep. We have places to go and be. Try to walk slowly through life this week. When you see a need you can step into, step into it. But who knows who might be influenced by what you do? Who will turn, who will in turn do good to someone else? So I, I close with this one today. We're told that we will reap a harvest if we do not give, if we, uh, if we continue to do good and we don't give up. You know, you know what this comes from? This comes from one little seed. One little seed. When we do good, we plant seeds that influence others and grow. So my encouragement, plant seeds this week by doing good. Let's turn up the heat and show others Jesus by what we do.